0: Today we discuss Adam Pelek's injury in the game against the Blues and how the Islanders will handle that situation, plus the rumors about Patrick Kane as a possible trade target for the Islanders. We've got all that and a whole lot more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. And I wrote the book, Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today and be part of the Locked On Islanders family. And thank you for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We've got a lot to get to on today's show, but first, if there's something Islanders related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, maybe something you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, feel free to send us an email, the email address lockedonislanders at gmail.com, and if you leave your first name and where you're from, we are happy to mention you on the show when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings. And I am also live tweeting during nearly every Islanders home and road game. So do make sure you join me for that. It is always great to interact with Islanders fans game time or any time. So please do follow and let's talk a little Islanders hockey. Lots to discuss in the wake of a very disappointing performance on uh, Tuesday night against the St. Louis Blues. And the big news, and we're just still not getting a full story, really, from the team as of right now. But Adam Pellick, injured in the game, and it was a, a real questionable play, and I mentioned it briefly uh, on the show yesterday, uh, Robert Bortuzzo came in. That should have been a boarding major, in my opinion. It just was uh, painful to watch. Looks like Pelic may have a concussion. Nothing official yet from the Islanders. His leg also, his right leg, kind of bent back at a funny angle after the hit. And... It was very discouraging because, obviously, even if Pellick and Pulak are not having their best season so far defensively, losing Adam Pellick would be a very big loss for the New York Islanders. Now, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be out for Friday's game against the Devils, certainly against a team that is playing as well as New Jersey right now. The Islanders really do need the duo of Pelic and Pulak in the lineup, and it looks like they may not have it. So that's going to be an issue. Now, obviously, the next man up normally would be Robin Sallow. And to me, seeing Robin Sallow out there, you know, he played the first four games of the season, scored two goals, uh, but hasn't been in the lineup really since October 22nd, which is, uh, you know, a month and a half. So, you know, he's gone down to Bridgeport, played a little bit. To say he's, though, out of practice is an understatement. So, Salo, uh, again, you know, definitely has the offensive talent. The question is consistency and doing it consistently at the NHL level. So, we have to see what happens with that now the other possible option maybe you want to bring up Samuel Baldock, right now 19 points down in Bridgeport in 22 games but here's the thing I don't know if the Islanders organization and Lou Lamorello feel that Baldock is ready and you know the whole thing with Lou is that he tries to be patient with a lot of these prospects. And, you know, he'd rather bring them up a couple of games too late or even a a month too late or a few months too late than too early. And I think they are much, much more likely to turn to Sallow than they are to turn to Bolduc. And then even within the question of, let's say they go with Sallow, which I think is by far the more likely option if, and again, it's if because we don't know for sure, but if Pellick does indeed miss time, how do you pair this one out? Uh, do, do you actually go with Sallow and Mayfield as your third pair and then make that move? Do you just put Sallow in in place of uh Pellick? And, and have him team with Pulak, that would be an interesting move. Or do you go Sallow Dobson, which may not be steady enough defensively in my mind. So Lane Lambert, Lula Morello, they've got some real questions to answer when it comes to figuring out what to do if, and again, I, I reemphasize that we don't know whether or not Adam Pellick will miss time, but the hit itself didn't look good, and you know, one other thing that bothered me about it, the Islanders did not react, and I'm not saying the hit was intentional by Bortuzzo. I'm not saying he was trying to hurt Adam Pellick. I don't believe that to be the case. The question to me is uh, that the Islanders should have responded. This was a It was not a clean hit. Uh, It was too close to the boards. The old saying is, if you could read the name on the back of the guy's sweater, you're not supposed to hit him into the board's head first. Well, that that rule was certainly violated. And I'm not saying you got to start a line brawl here, but some kind of response to Bortuzzo after delivering that kind of hit. I know the Islanders were losing the game at that point and they didn't want to take a penalty. All understandable to a point. But there should have been some response when their teammate gets hit on a play like that. I I just feel that that's what you need to do, especially a player as valuable as Adam Pellick. So I was disappointed in that. Again, not advocating for a line brawl, but at the very least, uh, a message of some kind, even if it's a verbal message, uh, has to be sent to Bortuzzo that you're not going to get away with that kind of a thing. So uh, to me, you want to see the teammates standing up for each other, and I was disappointed that I didn't see enough of that. In the game against St. Louis last night. And it's one of the reasons the Islanders, you know, when they're successful, that they win. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Pellick, uh, his status will hopefully have an update some point later today. Or certainly on Friday when we get a little closer to the game time. Morning, morning skate Friday. But as of right now, that hit just did not look particularly good. We have got a lot more to discuss on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Some rumors now that Patrick Kane may be a trade target for the New York Islanders. We'll discuss that. Plus, a whole lot more still to come on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to World Cup soccer, the NHL and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You know the Islanders are going to be underdogs Friday against the Devils Check out the odds at Bet Online to see if your knowledge of the Islanders can help you with your bets. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Islanders your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So, more rumors going around as far as the Islanders possibly wanting to add that goal scorer. And ugh, we all know, we all know how long it's been that we're waiting for this move to, all throughout the offseason and the trade deadline last year, and it just still hasn't happened. But a uh, story in the New York Post that Matthew Barzal kind of excited about the possibility of Patrick Kane coming to the Islanders. And look, we know this much about Patrick Kane. He is on the Blackhawks as much as they are playing a little better than most people expected them to this year. The Blackhawks are in rebuilding mode. Not so sure that Kane fits into that rebuild. And the question becomes, uh, would the New York Islanders uh, be interested in Patrick Kane, and what would it cost? Here's what Matthew Barzal told The Post. He's one of the best of all time. It'd be pretty cool to play with a guy He was second to none. Such a good passer. Such a good goal scorer, too. He really does a lot of everything with the puck. It definitely would be cool. I don't know if the rumor is legit or not, but it'd definitely be cool. So, look, what do you get if you're talking about Patrick Kane? You're talking about a player who was the first overall pick in the entire 2007 NHL entry draft. And You're talking about a guy who is a leader, a guy who has led his team to three Stanley Cup wins, won the Conn smythe Trophy in 2013, the Hart Trophy in 2016, the Calder Trophy back in Uh, 07-08. He's a four-time postseason all-star. He has played in 1,132 games and has 1,200 points 434 of them goals. Now this year, not off to as good of a start as you would hope. Four goals, 20 points in 25 games. But again, uh, playing on a Blackhawks team that is in full rebuild mode. Had nine power play goals last year. Only one so far this year. But very little doubt that he can give you help on the power play and he is still playing 20 minutes a night, averaging 20.08 of ice time on the Blackhawks right now. He's a right wing who shoots left, uh, and certainly would be a heck of a of a compliment to Matthew Barzal. Just a year ago, 26 goals in and in 92 points in 78 games. So certainly adding Patrick Kane would be monumental for this team. He is 34 years old, just turned 34 uh, before American Thanksgiving. But, you know, we've talked so often about the importance of getting a player who can take the plays that Barzal makes and convert them. And I think Bringing Patrick Kane in, you're talking about a leader. You're talking about a consistent offensive force. And you're talking about a player who will make the players around him better. Gives the Islanders a guy with playoff and Stanley Cup winning experience. I think that will help the room. And a guy who hasn't slowed down yet. Now, the drawbacks. $10.5 million cap hit. The Islanders probably will have room to make uh, to add Patrick Kane. The the question simply becomes uh, when such a deal might be possible. And the the thing is uh, that Patrick Kane, you know, he, his play has not fallen off just yet. It will. I I think there's no question about that. But Uh, You know, Father Time being undefeated as he is, but right now, he is still playing at a very high level. And this is the last year of his current contract. If I'm the Islanders, I want to have an extension negotiated with Patrick Kane before I acquire him, unless... You know, if you want to make that deal as a rental player, the price for Kane would have to be less. Again, the Islanders are going to have to part with a first-round pick as part of this deal, and probably one of their top prospects, whether it would be Dufour or Aturatu, those are the guys who other teams are going to ask for, especially a rebuilding team like the Chicago Blackhawks, who was loading up. On draft picks, they had three first-round picks in this draft, trading away some talented players. Um, I think it would be a good move, especially for a Lula Morello team that has so many players who are on the wrong side of thirty. Where you know you're in win-now mode with this hockey team, so adding a, a guy like Patrick Kane certainly reinforces the win-now aspect of it. To me. I would rather pay a little more and sign him to, let's say, a three- or four-year extension, regardless of, uh, and certainly not for $10 million a year, but I, I think you could probably get him for less than that on the extension. You know, he signed that deal eight years ago when he was in his prime. But if you can get him for six, $7 million a year, the Islanders can make some maneuvers to fit him under the cap. I think it can work. And I think he would be just a great addition to this team on so many different levels. Uh, and, and even just hearing the enthusiasm of Matthew Barzal in his quotes to the New York Post, here's the thing. Barzy getting, you know, I think he his game would be rejuvenated. I think he would be excited about the prospect of playing with Patrick Kane and I think that would help him take his game to the next level and really it would be I think it would electrify the locker room and it would really give the Islanders a chance to join the group of contenders rather than the group of bubble teams which is kind of where they are right now. We have got a lot more to get to on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We have our Islanders birthday of the day, a, a player who recorded the first hat trick in Islanders history, plus uh, a little, a, a couple of thoughts I had after last night's game against the Blues that I, I think you'll be interested in because just disappointing. Uh, something I'm noticing about this team that... Uh, wanted to share with you. So we've got that and a whole lot more still to come on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Time now for our Islanders birthday of the day. And Friday would have been the 80th birthday of former Islanders winger Jermaine Gagnon. uh, Originally broke into the NHL with the Montreal Canadiens, for a four-game stint in 1971-72, kind of got buried in what was then a very deep Canadiens farm system, and then joined the Islanders for their initial season in 72-73, 70, uh, and was with them until the trade deadline of 73-74. Gagnon scored 12 goals, had 41 points in 63 games in the first Islander season, Added 8 goals and 22 points in 62 games uh, before getting traded to the Blackhawks. Had uh, another season with the Blackhawks and then got traded midseason to the Kansas City Scouts in 1975-76 when he finished his NHL career. Played in 259 NHL games, 40 goals, 141 points, 72 penalty minutes. Add 19 playoff games, all of them with the Blackhawks. Two goals, five points, and two penalty minutes in those. We're going to go back and look at Jermaine Gagnon's best game as an Islander. November 1st, 1972. The Islanders, as a franchise, were not even a month old. They traveled to the West Coast to take on the California Golden Seals. In goal for the Islanders, Jerry Desjardins, Gilles Malache, the goalie for the Seals, and it was our Islanders' birthday of the day. Germain Gagnon with his third goal of the season, Dave Hudson and Ken Murray the assist at 11:59. Islanders up one, nothing midway through the first, but the Seals get back in it on an unassisted goal by Craig Patrick, the future GM of the, and and coach of the Rangers and the Penguins. His first of the year at 16.30, we're tied at 1. Jim Mayer scores his second unassisted at 17.25. That makes it 2-1 to one Islanders after the first period. In the second, the Islanders extend their lead to 3-1. to one. Don Blackburn, his first from Brian Leftley and Brian Marchenko at 9.25. That's the only goal of the second, 3-1 Isles after 40 minutes. Ed Westfall, the captain, makes it 4-1. His fourth from Jim Mayer. And then our Islanders' birthday of the day, Jermaine Gagnon, his fourth from Dave Hudson and Billy Harris at 4.03. All of a sudden, the Islanders have a 5-to-1 lead. But then, with Jim Mayer off for hooking, Craig Patrick, his second of the game, Yvonne Bolderev and Walt McKechnie, the assists at 1214, that Pulls the seals to within five to two, but a couple of minutes later, Jermaine Gagnon, our Islanders' birthday of the day, completes the first hat trick in Islanders' history. His fifth from Billy Harris at 15:05, 29 saves for Germain Gagnon uh, for Jerry Desjardins in this one to earn the win. Islanders outshot 31 to 29 in this one, and for Germain Gagnon, our Islanders' birthday of the day, he had the hat trick a plus three, and he had five shots on goal that tied him for the team lead in this game with Billy Harris. F- final score, Islanders six, Golden Seals two, and the Islanders skate away with the win and the first hat trick in franchise history. This, by the way, was the Islanders' second franchise win. Their first came against the LA Kings. That improved the Islanders' record to two, six, and one, the seals fell to two seven and one on the year. So, uh, although he passed away uh, about eight years ago, uh, this would have been the 80th birthday Friday of Germain Gagnon, and he is our Islanders' birthday of the day. Had to give you some thoughts uh, about this team and the way that they've been playing. Bad starts, not doing the things this team needs to do to win and that's what's been frustrating the new york islanders are not a team like the edmonton oilers if you have connor mcdavid and leon drysdale and and ryan nugent hopkins and you know uh, all those high powered high scoring guys you can afford to be down 3 to 1 4 to 1 and realize hey we can come back or you can get away from your style Knowing how dangerous your offensive weapons are and you can get back into the game. Not the Islanders, not the way this team is built. The way this team wins hockey games is they outwork you. They dig in the corners and get pucks, they forecheck aggressively, they backcheck aggressively and take the man out of the play. Bottom line is, this Islanders team needs to outwork their opponents in order to win most of their games. So they're not doing that consistently. They cannot take a whole period off or a period and a half. They can't wait for the third period and say, okay, we're ready, let's go out and play our game and we'll win most of the time. This team is getting away from what they do well. And I like the idea of the defenseman pinching and creating opportunities. But it cannot be at the expense of giving up as many odd man rushes as they gave up against the Blues. And it cannot be that the Islanders are giving up too many quality scoring chances and just taking periods off and time off. This team needs to be a blue-collar working team. And they're not playing that way right now. They've gotten away from that style of play. Over the last few games, let's say the last four or five games, Lane Lambert needs to straighten this team out and get them back on track. And I do believe he can do it. But boy, if they go into the next six games with five of them being against really good teams, they have to play Islander-style hockey. They have to dictate the style of play of the game rather than react to what the other team is doing, and they haven't been doing that lately, and that has been the reason they've lost three out of their last four. I want to thank you for making Locked On Islanders your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts, we will be back tomorrow. We will have a full preview of both of this weekend's games, starting with the Friday game against the Devils, and then of course, uh, you know, uh, a, a game as well coming up on Saturday at home against the Carolina Hurricanes. So two big games for the Islanders coming up. And we'll preview that and a whole lot more. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.